0: Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway, and I'll be your host. Today, we hear from John Kelly, the CEO and co-founder at Craft Peak. Craft Peak is a technology company that builds websites and e-commerce solutions for some of the world's leading craft beer brands. In our conversation, John and I talk about key metrics, what to measure when talking websites we dig in on memberships how they work how they're different from mug clubs and how breweries can use memberships to really drive sales in their business we talk about online beer sales the platform that craft peak offers and how it all works we get into these topics and many more so for now please enjoy my conversation with john kelly from craft peak hey john welcome to the podcast Hey, Kerry.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It is great to have you here. Give the listeners some background on Craft Peak. What do you guys got going on? What type of services do you guys provide?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, we're um, we're a technology company that's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. And I think oftentimes we are kind of confused between a, a technology company and a and a web agency. But what we find is that we have very deep relationships with our customers, kind of like a, an agency would. And we've got. Uh, a lot of technical chops where we love developing cool tools. So, what we've done for the beer industry is uh, we've had the opportunity to work with a, a number of great brands, understand the challenges that they run into, and and try to develop tools and solutions for that. So we're really the the people, the technology, the experience, and the strategy behind helping great uh, craft brands kind of get to the next level online. And a lot of that comes down to great web presence, uh, you know, beverage finders and uh, certainly direct to consumer experiences and and sales channels.
0: And how many breweries do you guys work with now and sort of geographically are we, are they mostly U S or abroad?
1: Yeah, we work with about 170 total. Um, Most of those are in the U S and we have uh, we've got a, a handful, probably a dozen or so in the UK and and a, a couple in Australia, but yeah, primarily the US. And I would say uh, we have got a lot on the East Coast. We're starting to kind of roll out to a number on the on the West Coast and uh, kind of a, a smattering in the middle.
0: Nice. Now you mentioned, you know, one of the you guys understand the beer business. You understand craft breweries and their challenges. Um, what are maybe a couple examples of? Some of the bigger challenges that you hear about, and we can maybe we can dig into them if, if there's uh, some follow-ups there.
1: Sure. Well, I think you know there's uh, there's the normal challenges, and then there's the the challenges that were presented by you know COVID last year, and I think we're which in some ways were just kind of an acceleration of of some of the challenges that brewers were trying to figure out. But um, you know, I think the the biggest Challenge and maybe opportunity for breweries is, is how to think about their businesses differently. I think, um, oftentimes, you know, breweries are are experts at kind of creating that that in person great experience in tap rooms and kind of that hospitality experience. And really, what we help them do is kind of extend that experience online. Um, and uh, that also includes kind of the the various sales channels that exist online. So really, how do you how do you take the success that you're having in the tap room and how do you extend that to, to other channels that that customers are interested in participating in? And, um, yeah, so I think that's that's one of the biggest things uh, that we that we really kind of look to uh, help breweries develop. And I think for us, it's a, it's important that. Um, you know, for, for most of the time, we're, we're kind of in the background and we also um, want breweries and, and beverage companies to be able to leverage our technology so that it's, it's the branded experience that, that really uh, they're leading with. So not only do we want them to be able to explore those channels, but really it's, it's how do they extend the brand, how do they extend that, that brand experience online and, uh, and connect with customers in new ways.
0: Great. So take me through your approach with a new client. So if somebody contacts you and they and they want to want to hire you guys, how do you assess their needs, and do you have any specific questions that you go through to figure that out?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question, Carrie. And and you know I think um, not all that different from from other businesses. It's a it's a very consultative approach. You know, really trying to understand maybe not just the the symptoms that they're. Uh, that they're coming to us with, but really trying to understand and identifying the underlying problems that, uh, that exist or, once again, the, the opportunities associated with that. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you know, from our initial conversations, there, we're, we're really kind of in discovery mode at that point to try to understand what that business looks like, um, you know, what are the sales channels that they're participating in, what the percentage of sales are uh, in their, from their tap room to, to maybe other channels, online, distribution, import, export. Uh, and overall, what are their goals that they're, they're trying to achieve with the brand? Um, and I think other things are, are important indicators for us as well. Like, uh, are they opening a second location? Are they uh, increasing production? Um, you know, are they looking to, uh, to establish subscriptions or membership programs? You know, those goals also kind of feed into the, uh, the ultimate strategy.
0: Nice. Um, there was a line on your website that I want to read here for the listeners, and then maybe you can you can tell me more about it. So I'm, so I'm it. already, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it says web web design and development of Craft Peak is an unparalleled experience. We offer beer specific e-commerce tools and features that revolutionize the online game for breweries. So I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> tell me more about this and you, we can break this into into pieces. Maybe let's talk about and you mentioned a few of them. Uh, if we if we focus first on beer specific e commerce tools, what what do those look like? What do you mean when you when you say that? Yeah,
1: well, you know, there's lots of um, well, there's lots of ways to sell beer, as as everybody knows. Um, but if you're if you're really thinking about kind of the the innovative or or revolutionary ways, maybe it's it's maybe the opportunities that exist online. Um, I think for uh, for many of us and as we you know we're in asheville so we've uh uh we've been uh you know the craft beer is a is a big part of our community and um and we've lots of friends and families that are involved in in the craft beer space here and and over the last 10 12 years we've seen kind of a dynamic shift happening there but um the interesting thing and something that stood out to us is that as we saw uh more breweries get established in asheville and and these tap rooms become successful It seemed to us that there was a a tendency to follow a very similar business strategy where, hey, you've got a successful tap room, then you go out and you raise additional capital and you're going to open a production facility and then you're going to go compete on grocery store shelves. And, you know, there was a point in time where I think that there were breweries that were having a lot of success with that. And I think that has become a, a tougher and tougher environment for breweries to participate in. It's gotten more expensive and, and less productive. Now, during COVID, obviously some of those retail establishments were were the ones that remained open and were viable sales channels, but if um, you know, there's um, uh, I guess what we wanted to um, what we wanted to help breweries understand and recognize is that there are other opportunities to sell your beer and. Those opportunities are also opportunities to sell those beers at, at higher margin and to control the customer relationship and to control the experience. And those are all things that are, are meaningful to our breweries. So we really try to, to help breweries, first of all, understand what their options are and then how to navigate those options through the, the legal and, and compliance perspectives that are, uh, that are part of, of understanding those options.
0: So are you saying you think the internet is here to stay?
1: I believe so. The World Wide Web is, uh, well, you know, it, it might be bailing wire and duct tape that's holding it all together, but it, I think it's going to stick around for at least the foreseeable future.
0: I love that though. That that That's a great way to think about it because you're right. I, I see the same thing. and I hear the same thing from other breweries is that, that sort of traditional trajectory, you know, start the tap room you know, then you start to scale your, through your production, you go to self-distribution, then you evolve maybe to wholesale distribution. And it does work and it can work, but you're right, it, it's getting harder. And you are fighting each incremental sale, at least what I find from a financial perspective, gets less and less profitable because you're either giving up more margin, you're, you're creating more expenses in your infrastructure to try to get maybe further from your brewery doorstep. Uh, so I think this concept of, you know, leveraging e-commerce online sales and doing it in a way that can be significantly more profitable, or at least equally so. So you're not, you know, investing all those dollars in infrastructure is very cool. I mean, it's obviously worked in a lot of other industries. We're waiting for beer. <laughs> you know, you're on the you're on the leading edge of this. So that's that's awesome. Um, I did want to follow up to this. Is sure. what do you see? So, so new clients approach you, you, you do the consultative approach discovery mode, as you said, what do you find are the biggest mistakes that maybe they're making or that you guys can fix when they come to you? Let's just say they have an existing website and you're looking at it. Are there anything, things like that that come to mind, biggest mistakes there?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's probably a couple obvious ones that we could, we could point out to everybody and, and Carrie, you and I've actually uh, had a conversation around this already, but, um, i'm often surprised how many times I get to a brewery's website where I might be traveling to a particular area and excited to check out a brewery and i I pull up a listing for that brewery online and Google tells me that they're open these hours, and then all of a sudden I get to the uh, I pull up the website there's no hours on the on the website and next thing i know i'm I'm knocking on empty doors or or they're they're having a brew day and and I'm disrupting somebody from a brew cycle to come answer that door so um yeah i think first things first just make it easy for you know if if your tap room's your point of sale make sure that people know that you know the hours of operation and and don't be shy about it you don't have to hide those things anywhere Uh, oftentimes you know you look at the bounce rates uh, on on particular websites and you're just like oh well you know the the more traffic and and the longer somebody sticks around on your website typically the better well that's not always true Sometimes people are looking just for the information they want, and then they're going to bounce. So they get to an hours of operation or a location page, and if they exit from there, that's usually a, a pretty good indicator that they probably have gotten what they want. So I think first things first, 101, make sure that people know you know where you are and, and if you're open. And that's often something that we um that we don't, you know, that I think that uh, there's probably an opportunity for, for improvement there. That that every bro- uh, every brewery probably has the the power to do uh, with their with their existing website. Um, the other thing is, I think that we often get beguiled into believing that social media is enough at times, and um, and it's easy to to think that way because. Um, you know, there's uh, there's so much emphasis on social media and there's, there's you know, so much about the, you know, number of likes and number of followers and, and things like that. But um, the challenge is, is that we don't control the rules on social media. No, those rules are controlled by companies that are looking to make money from us for, for advertising. And uh, quite honestly, you know, the, the more you're advertising with them, the uh, the lower your kind of cost of, of or your return on ad spend is, is going to be. So you know, if you've got 20,000 followers on Facebook, you know, Facebook's never going to let you uh, address or or communicate with all of those folks. So it's really important to think about your website as the center of your online ecosystem and definitely use those other tools, um, but make sure you're using those tools effectively and we're communicating the right message to people in those in those channels. But with the ultimate goal of driving people back to your website where they can get the full story, they can find out about that beer release, they can find out about your next three, they can find out about that other great event you're having or or learn more about the beers or the humans behind your brand. So that's um, those are the, the two things that I think that that often stand out with with our breweries is uh, number one, you, you want to make sure that you that people know how to get there and, and when you're open. And uh, the second one is uh, not being so completely reliant on, on social media without the strategy of, of controlling the brand experience, harnessing the power of social media.
0: Those are great points. You, you mentioned uh, bounce rate. So that's, that's a nice segue to my next question about numbers and key metrics. So I love key metrics. Our listeners love key metrics. So if you, when you're talking websites, measurements, what are the key metrics or what measurements of success do you think go along with, with having a good website?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, Because just about everything can be measured these days, but it doesn't mean that it's meaningful. Right. (laughs) So um, I, I think, you know, some simple ones that everybody can uh, pay attention to is, you know, most websites, no matter what platform you're built on are probably going to be integrated with Google analytics. It's, it's kind of the, um, you know, the standard for all, but and with Google Analytics, with just you know, uh, either you're familiar with it or familiar enough to to look at some basic statistics, or you you know, there's there's lots of YouTube channels that you could do a quick search. So you know, the, or we're talking about things that can be learned very quickly. But um, yeah, knowing the the total number of visitors to the site, you know, knowing how much time they're spending on the site. Uh, knowing what devices they connected on, you know, 75 to, you know, somewhere around 75 to 80 percent of all uh, web traffic that we see related to brewery sites is uh, mobile. So making sure that your uh, website is mobile optimized and very performant are really kind of key indicators for um for site conversions, so you know that would be another metric that you'd want to look at is any goals that you establish with maybe some of the call to actions on your site. That could be a newsletter sign up, that could be an RSVP for another event, that could be buying something. You know, whether that's beer or memberships or or T-shirts. Um, those are all. Uh, it's important to kind of establish those goals and then you know begin to benchmark and measure tor- towards those goals. But if you're just going to start simple. You know, knowing the the number of visitors, um, I think that that's always helpful to kind of look in a year over year comparison because there are there is a lot of seasonality to, to many of our businesses. Um, the, um, uh, the the devices, once again, that are, are kind of connecting uh, the number of pages that they're visiting and uh, and the bounce rate, as we've mentioned before, is is kind of a, a critical one. So I would say, you know, if you're if you're looking for the 101, those are probably uh, those are probably all fitting in that category.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I love doing like the scoreboards, right? Like determining what are actually key metrics, because you're right, anything can be measured. We have so much data. We were talking offline before this started that I was working with a guy that helps me with, you know, web tracking and statistics, and it can get very overwhelming very fast. And and for me, it's like, well, what's important? What do I need to look at? So I think that's that's very helpful for folks to say, let's you know, narrow it down to, oh, I don't know, you, you, you probably have half a dozen that are important. You know, stick to those, create a scoreboard, because that's the thing, too, is like, it's great to have all this information. But if you're not looking at it on a regular basis in a strategic way, it's just wallpaper, right? I mean, so it how do you take is- action on it? I think that's important, too.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, number one is is to track it you know, you got to benchmark it. And, you know, the more informed you can be around the goals that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, then it's like, if you've got the goal figure out, then the strategy and the, the the measurements kind of fall in line with that. Um, so, you know, if you can always think about the the goal first, the strategy, and then kind of the tactics that get you there and the way to kind of measure and iterate, that's always kind of the the hierarchy we use to, uh, to think through those. But I think it's also not only the, the regularity that you're looking at these metrics, but also you can't look at them in isolation. You know, we're dependent on so many things. So we, we've talked about a couple here where we're talking about, you know, some metrics that are specific to, to websites or e-commerce stores, but we've also mentioned social media. Like how does that come into play? Well, they all kind of work and operate together. So you've got to kind of read through the tea leaves to understand how these things are impacting one another. But the key is that you're kind of looking at them all in one place. So if you've got the ability to kind of pull in your Facebook uh, uh, metrics and your Instagram metrics and Twitter and your, your newsletter metrics alongside your, your web metrics, now you've got one scorecard that kind of allows you to look at the, the entire ecosystem. And while there might not be direct uh, correlations between all of that data, you will begin to kind of start to see trends that that are related to one another. So I think that's the other thing is trying not to do, you know, the data can be overwhelming. Um, So and I I think that's for for all of us. So, you know, start simple. But I I think it's important to uh, beyond the, the regularity is to make sure that you're not looking at this stuff in isolation.
0: Love it. So you mentioned memberships. Uh, earlier in our conversation, and I've been holding off digging in on this because I know we've we can both geek out pretty deep on this. So let's do that. Let's oh, yeah. get out on it. So, um, tell us about memberships you know, how they work, maybe some fundamental concepts that you've learned, and maybe most importantly, how can breweries set up a membership to help really drive their business? Mm,
1: yeah. Lots, uh, lots of meat on the bone here. And you'll probably have to cut me off because I get pretty excited about this and I can go on forever. But, um, you know, as you and I have discussed before, what we love so much about memberships is it's the opportunity to recognize and reward your top supporters, the people that want to have a deeper relationship with your brand. It's an opportunity to, that, that you can offer them. And Um, The additional benefits that come along with that is is now you've got your most passionate supporters that have this intimate relationship and you're fanning the flames of that. And what you find is that those that is that passionate group of people that are finding other people just like them to 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 come join your membership. Um, From a financial perspective, what we love about it is that uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, some of the membership programs that we run in the in the U.S., it's a it's an annual subscription that typically gives you a, a host of membership benefits. Um, usually, private access to a to an online store, via first ride refusal of beers that are being released, and depending on the brewery, it might be very specialty release things, barrel uh, barrel programs, or or other things that are, are highly sought after. But it's usually an annual membership where. Um, it, you know you're you make the announcement to uh, the, to your followers they basically sign up and they pay for that membership up front and it's an awesome opportunity for a, a brewery to kind of cash flow that program so there's very few things that I know a brewery that can do that can change their cash position so quickly as as having a membership program. But you know, I don't want <laughs> I don't want owners out there to hear this and be like, oh, it's a it's a free lunch. No, it's it's now an opportunity to make those investments back into the program. But if you do, it it definitely pays pays dividends. So we love it because it provides um, all kinds of intimate opportunities and experiences for the the brand and uh, the the people that want to be connected to that brand. But financially, it's a it's a great opportunity for breweries to uh, to be able to cash flow and fund that program, and then you're selling all of your beers also at at full retail margins to uh, to a passionate group of supporters, and it also gives you another outlet of sales channels where you say, okay, well, uh, every time we release a beer, we're going to give our members the first right of refusal for these beers, and they're going to pay full margin for them, and then. Uh, if we have others left over, we'll release to the public through the tap room and then maybe on down the uh, to our distribution channel. So it also gives them the opportunity to kind of prioritize the the hierarchy of margins uh, for sales channels uh, so that they're selling more of their beer at higher margins, which means more cash coming back into the business. And we all know that if there's more cash back in the business, there's uh, there's more opportunity for, for us to make sure that we can take these businesses where we where we want them to go.
0: I just wrote down the hierarchy of margins. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that could be a, a, a book. in the, oh, no! Uh, great title. <laughs> I'm going to need your help on that. You know. <laughs> okay. So we both love memberships. You've, you've just done a great job articulating how valuable they can be in terms of driving sales growth, tri- driving margin growth, and so forth. If you could put your finger on maybe, and you can answer this either way, like what are the biggest mistakes that you see breweries make when trying to implement a a membership or what are the keys to success and they usually you know two two sides to the same coin but how do you think about that question in terms of we love the concept of the membership but what do think what do folks get wrong or what what should they really be focusing on to make sure they they can harness the power of a membership
1: yeah that's a really good question and we we see this often i think um i think First of all, it's kind of the distinction of of memberships versus kind of the the idea of mug clubs. You know, mug clubs have been around forever. It's the pewter mug that's hanging on the wall, and when you uh, when you you know you get your fourth fill free and and you know those are basically kind of discount programs and more almost loyalty reward programs. So, uh, membership programs are are really a, a dedicated sales channel, high margin sales channel with a passionate group of followers. So, I think first of all, if we're talking about membership programs, the the, the biggest challenge I think that that folks run into is that they're not prepared for um, what it takes to, to run a great program and um, so I think that they maybe underestimate the the effort that goes into it and you know uh, at the risk of scaring everybody off here I don't want it to make it sound like it's uh, it's an extreme amount of work but I think if you're um, if you're trying to do it without preparing for uh, for the additional work, then it's probably not going to be managed in a way where it's going to be as enticing as an exciting to the, the membership as it as it could be. So I think, you know, getting getting expectations that if you're going to make commitment to to opening up this channel and this offering to your uh, uh, to your customers that, you know, you're, you're prepared to kind of make the investments in the program. So I think that's that's one of them. I think the other thing is um, don't start too big. These are things that organically grow over time. And if you're, if you're chasing just the dollars, then it's probably gonna be a, a pretty short-lived uh, or or nearsighted strategy. Whereas if you are looking to truly provide a rewarding experience for the folks that are, are looking for it and it's very meaningful, then you can start with a group of 50. And that group of 50 is gonna be you know, 200 to 500 over the next couple of years. And you can set up different tiers to kind of reward the folks that were on early and, and have different level of offerings. Um, uh, Now don't go too crazy here, you know, two to two to three tiers is, is plenty. (laughs) Um, We've also, we've also run into the challenge where we've had five or or seven tiers and we've had to help uh, brands reel that back a little bit, which can be, you know, an issue on the other side, but um, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, crawl, walk, run, and make sure that you've, uh, you've thought through the the offering that you're trying to make to make sure that it's meaningful to your folks. Make sure that you're collecting feedback from your members uh, along the way that it is providing that that benefit and that reward. and then uh, you know, make it easy for others to to get involved and if you and if you do that and uh, you're kind of methodical in your approach, we see lots of lots of success on those programs.
0: You mentioned using um, intuitive dashboards and numbers to kind of track. You know your membership results so if we talk about this the the, the core concept of whatever you can measure you know, theoretically you can improve so long as you're you know keeping an eye on it and, and measuring the right things and so forth but as it relates to memberships um what numbers do you think here are important uh to be monitoring what what should be on like a dashboard if, if you're managing managing this um and how, how would a brewery implement that kind of information
1: yeah, I think the um, the data related to membership programs might be a little bit more static than something like a, a subscription program, which is something that we also help breweries with. And you know, we, we can talk about subscriptions, but there you're you're a little bit more interested in you know customer acquisition versus customer churn rate and things like that. Now, with an annual membership program, you will have some of that. So if you're looking at total members. Uh, You're looking at members that have renewed versus ones that have opted out and some of that customer attrition. Those are important, but those are, you know, kind of once a year global numbers. Um, I think that the other numbers that that our breweries are looking at on kind of a more consistent basis is just the the sales data uh, associated with it kind of on a monthly basis. So, you know, uh, who are your top customers? You know, what is the what is the average kind of cart total? Um, you know, what is the frequency, you know, what are they, uh, what is the percentage of sales that are being abandoned in carts? Uh, what is the uh, redemption rate when we, when we send an abandoned cart routine, um, you know, some of those things are the are the interesting things. And then you can get in a, a little bit more sophistication if you have couponing or dynamic discounts, beginning to look at those to see what's what's really moving the needle. And then I think the other thing that's that's becoming more interesting, especially as brands are, are getting more involved in direct consumer shipping is, uh, you know, how what, what is the quantity that that people are buying per order? And uh, it, and I think um yeah, so velocity of sales, uh, uh average order value, things like that are are kind of some of the key metrics that that we have available for our breweries.
0: That's great. So we've we've talked a bit about online beer sales, but I want to dig in a bit more on that. Could you tell us you offer a platform? Maybe tell us a bit about that platform, what it, what it looks like, how it gets implemented.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um that what it looks like is it is it looks like a fully branded experience for the brewery. You know, we want to kind of hide in the in the background and, and allow our brands to kind of leverage that technology. So it's a it's a completely on brand experience. So the, um, you know, the website and the e-commerce stores are, are really just an extension of that brand is is and we spend a lot of time and effort trying to uh, uh, trying to get it there. Um, From there, what we do is, is we work with each brand once again to understand what their goals are around online sales and, and we kind of think about it almost as a, like a golf bag with a bunch of clubs in it. Well, yeah, you can have a membership program, you can have subscriptions, you can sell memberships, you can, uh, you know, you can sell tickets to events, there's all kinds of different things but it really kind of comes down to, um, you know, what the ultimate goals are, and then we'll help them kind of configure the right tool set to to meet those goals. So it's, once again, very consultative approach of of kind of getting those things in place. Uh, And then it's also, you know, the opportunities that breweries have based on where they're located or where they're trying to get their beers. You know, if you're looking to do direct-to-consumer shipping, there's about, you know, nine states that have uh, direct-to-consumer retail relationships possible. Uh, 14 probably total with um, uh, with some you know special requirements. Um, so it's helping kind of navigate those uh, those waters, making sure that we can uh, get them synced up with the the right partners that help with compliance and packaging and uh, shipping and fulfillment. Um, those are all relationships that we go and establish because they are challenges that our breweries ran into and and were problems that we we're trying to help them solve and and we knew that we. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it all on our own. So, uh, you know, establishing those those partnerships so that we can bring those those relationships to the table for our breweries to benefit are some of the other things that we do.
0: Nice. If you're looking at you know, what one of the points on on your website was talking about pre-sales and, you know, it sounds great. Let's, it's, let's pre-sale it. But what what do you think is the magic way to handle these? Like what what makes that work? Anything more effective than others?
1: Yeah. And I think that this is pretty brand dependent and pretty beer dependent because, you know, there's just some super hyped beers that are, you know, as soon as you're going to make an announcement for them, uh, they're going to be people kind of lined up at the door. So it's kind of really two sides for us. It's one to help our breweries understand that it's, you know, if you've got beer that's getting through the QA process and it's not packaged yet, man, that's a perfect time to begin, you know, teasing and let people know. So we'll have indicators and we have, uh, you know, full beer databases on each of our websites and We've got little tags and sometimes, um, you know, those tags can be used to represent different things like core beers or specialty releases or seasonals. But we can also show you like what's in the tank and what's brand new. So we can begin to tease information about beers that are, are about ready to be released. And then we have capability to handle, you know, high demand beer release sales uh, where we've kind of developed uh, some capabilities like cart protection so that when you're in these high demand uh, sale events, when, you know, literally you've got tens of thousands of people that are trying to get their hands on a a couple thousand beers. So that's a really challenging engineering problem. And, you know, that happens when people are buying sneakers online or, or tickets to the next Star Wars movie. Uh, but, you know, there's some sophisticated technology that has to go into place to, to handle those huge spikes in traffic. So we'll have things like virtual waiting rooms that that kind of control the flow of, of the audience into the sale uh, cart protection to make sure that people aren't able to steal products out of one another's carts. And, you know, the the idea is to try to make it as democratic as possible. And we want humans buying the beers. <laughs> there's lots of bots out there and automated scripts that are trying to compete for beers right now to sell in in other markets. So we're trying to defeat the bots, but uh, make it as, as equitable for, for humans as we can to, to get access to those beers. So um, yeah, that's some of the stuff that we do on the on the beer release side. And I think, you know, you asked for recommendations there. It's, it's about, you know, coordination. I think um, oftentimes, like all businesses, um, certain breweries or, or some breweries, um, you know, we struggle to kind of get the project plan out in front of us. And you know, we know that a beer is going to be released. Well, okay, let's work backwards from the date when it's going to be released and think about all of the marketing announcements and all the coordination that we want to do on social media and to email and to, to the website to make sure that we're, we're ready to announce that. So uh, I think part of that is just making sure that you've got a, a, a release schedule and you are coordinating your marketing efforts around that. And I think that goes a long way just to help right there. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of pent up demand of of folks that are coming back to tap rooms this year, and my my biggest my biggest takeaway from this is for any brewery out there. This is the opportunity to capture contact information and uh, enough information about those consumers to make meaningful offers to them down the road. If you grow that email list, the conversion rates that we see in email are, are off the charts, you know, compared to, to other industries and open rates. So, you know, use it as an opportunity to learn about your customers, collect contact information and, you know, grow that list and uh, that's going to that's going to help you out tremendously. Uh, and we've got lots of breweries that are focused on that right now, knowing that they're going to be launching membership and subscription programs in the fall. And and really kind of, um, uh, you know, first of all, uh, capture that information and then uh, then be able to kind of uh, put it into full use this fall.
0: That's great stuff. So one last question before I uh ask you where folks can find you. And and this question might not go anywhere, but I I thought I'd like to throw at least one of these in here. So in your bio, you note that you're a former soccer player. Maybe you're not former, maybe you're still playing. But my question is this, tell me about being a former soccer player, what you might have learned in that experience and how it translates either to what you're doing now or the craft brewery business. Oh man,
1: uh, yeah, Carrie, are you a soccer fan?
0: Yeah, well, I I yeah. <laughs> okay. you know, it's it's in my top five. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh,
1: right under cornhole. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, I just <laughs> it, yeah,
1: yeah, it's man. Without sounding too generic, it's soccer is an autonomous team sport. It, you know, one of the things I love so much about soccer is that the coaching is done during the week, and when you get on that field, there's no timeouts. There's there's no plays that are called in. It, it's up to the players on the field. And I think what I learned most about um, from soccer is, um, you know, I had the opportunity to play on you know championship teams, and and was lucky enough to be on a couple all star teams and and state level teams. Um, but those weren't always the best programs. It was the, uh, it, it was the teams where everybody was playing for one another. And it was the teams where you were a little bit underdog. Maybe you just weren't uh, appreciated. Um, but if, if they knew what you knew about the guys around you, um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, you wouldn't be underrated. So I think, for me, it was, it was having both of those experiences where being kind of on the all-star team and, and, uh, not playing the best soccer versus being on those teams that when everybody's working together, when everybody's pulling for one another, you are, you're much greater than a sum of your parts. And I think that's what we aspire to be as a, as a team in business. And, you know, we we're we want to help crap businesses disrupt the way that they do things we want to help them think differently and we want to help them solve problems so i think that's uh that's probably the the biggest overlap for me between soccer and and building businesses
0: that's great stuff all right maybe i'll give soccer another chance
1: (laughs) well my uh my wife's dad always said that uh it's like soccer it's like it's the sport of the future and always will be. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: good. Well, John, this has been fantastic. I think lots lots of great stuff here. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about the services that you offer, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah, well, we uh, we we try to be uh, practitioners of of our advice here, and and we've got a website that has a contact form, and and we have people that would uh, would love to engage with you. Or you can reach me directly at john at craftpeak.com. and and uh, yeah I'd love to uh, love to respond uh, via email but yeah uh craftpeak.com is is our website and uh, you know we are uh, yeah, we're we're ready for a new one ourselves so we uh, but uh, it's it's still easy to get a hold of us and yeah would would be happy to answer any questions and always looking to meet great folks
0: that's awesome John thanks so much for the time
1: yeah Carrie, thank you for the invite I've enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.